0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful
1: throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby!
2: Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. We are talking... Chiefs Browns believe it or not what a shocker we're back uh breaking down this Chiefs football team and you know not a ton happened from a news perspective today the Browns did decide to announce their uh who they're keeping around uh for for the protection level of the practice squad which I wrote about I I put some video analysis to the players that were not already a part of the browns organization and brought back as a part of the practice squad so think like porter gustin think sheldon day so i went through and broke down like tim harris a fady um jordan steckler uh, gave you some thoughts on those guys as they are the newest additions that is there for you to read and like I mentioned, the Browns decided to keep their players. A couple reminders on practice squad stuff for this year. Again, this is an article for OBR subs. Rookies and players who have accrued two, uh, accrued two or fewer seasons in the NFL make a minimum of 9200 per week during the regular season. So if they're on the practice squad for 18 weeks, they'll earn 165000 for the year. Players with less, or sorry, more, or sorry, who have accrued those three seasons. So again, Gustin, Day, Afady, uh, they will make fourteen thousand per week, which is two hundred and fifty-two thousand for the year if they're on uh, the whole season. So teams can promote up to two players per week from the practice squad to the active roster should they choose, and they will not need to move a player to the fifty-three man roster to make uh, to make room for them. They won't need to move anybody around. Those uh, those decisions have to be made by four p.m. Eastern time the day of the game. Uh, That makes practice squad players even more valuable this year because they're eligible to play in games without taking up space on the roster, which wasn't the case before 2020, just a reminder. And this is what is of note as the Browns decided to keep Efedi, they decided to keep Jamarcus Bradley, they decided to keep Nick Mullins, and uh, Chris Nagar, the kicker, all uh, off of their or they put them on their list of four, right? So teams can protect four players on their practice squad each week, preventing them from being signed by other teams. These spots are obviously reserved for more valuable players on the practice squad, which the Browns identified theirs, which can obviously include specialists like kickers, punters, so that they can, you know, uh, be available if there's something that happens the day of a game with the COVID-19 test and the Browns clearly by keeping Nick Mullins on that protected group of four are trying to keep themselves Uh, out of a situation like Garrett gilbert last year where they lost their practice squad quarterback and any quarterback that they have are trying to bring up to speed and could be a part of a game in a crisis type of situation so that's the case 16 players and some flexibility to move guys up and down you got an idea of what they make you know who the browns are keeping that's what's important other little pieces of news that came out i think the biggest thing is that Greg Newsom was sort of announced as the uh, starter opposite of Denzel Ward. So that was a decision that was made uh, public for the first time. I think that's an important thing for the Browns to delineate. Uh, They needed to do so. Greg Newsom touched on Jeff Howard, telling him that he's going to start, so he will be your outside starter at corner. Does not mean Greedy Williams won't see time, and it doesn't mean that they won't put Greg Newsom in the slot occasionally if they want to mix and match, play dime with four corners, so on and so forth. There's flexibility there. But this could be, again, tied to injury a little bit with some of the stuff, the the groin or hammy or whatever it is that Greedy was dealing with, but this is a big piece of news that has come out. Uh, Baker Mayfield taking his guys to Yellowstone, that was cool to see, some good bonding time. You want to see Jarvis, Odell, uh, Baker getting together, caring about each other, Austin Hooper's there, all of that sort of cohesion stuff you really, really want to see uh, I think it's. I think it was really cool to see that pop up on social and Tom Brady comment and all that stuff. So, uh, love to see that. But they're ready to get rocking and rolling. We had a guest yesterday, at Easton Jr., who talked about the Chiefs' offense. Today, we have Daniel Harms talking about the Chiefs' defense to get you deep dive insights on the Chiefs before the Browns play. Really pumped to get this interview over to you guys. But before we get to today's guest, we're going to talk about our good friends at TickPick. With Browns football finally being back, there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find those precious, precious Browns tickets. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all things NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge where it almost doubles the price of the ticket that's advertised which lets them guarantee, TickPick can guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference of the purchase price. So, again, if you're going to that home opener, Texans, which, again, we're giving away free tickets through the OBR Twitch. If you can't get those free tickets and you're buying tickets for that game yourself, make sure you go to TickPick right now to get in on the action. That's promo code BREAKDOWN. If you use the promo code BREAKDOWN at TickPick.com slash BREAKDOWN, get that $10 off your first order. Again, TickPick, T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, no fees. Go out, prove yourself right, find other seats, cheaper, right? They'll cover 110% of it. You won't find a better deal out there. So go check out TickPick today. Now let's get over to our interview, which will be with Daniel Harms who's a film analyst for Fantasy Football Astronauts, but he focuses a ton on the Chiefs specifically. And let me tell you, this guy really brought it. He's got great insights on the Chiefs' defense. Uh, I, was, I was pretty pleased with how this turned out and pretty pumped. You should follow Daniel if you're interested in any kind of Chiefs content or keeping up with that team. Let's get
0: over to the interview right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: All right, we are welcoming in Daniel Harms again on Twitter. He is at InHarmsWay. That's 19. That's a fantastic Twitter name, by the way, my friend. <laughs> thank
1: thanks you. For... I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> and Thanks for joining us tonight.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Get a chance to talk to someone about the Browns, about the Chiefs defense. It's going to be a lot of fun.
2: It should be a really fun game, and it should be a. This conversation will be very informative for our audience. I know the last time Cleveland touched the field, it was with Kansas City, but I'm not sure they, you know, coming off of the high of beating Pittsburgh for their first playoff win in forever. I don't know that the preparation is something that stuck with people. You know, I know the Chiefs went on to play bigger games, obviously, and and i and we talked offense with Ed Easton and uh, talked about some of the bigger changes the, along the offensive line. I don't think we see that defensively, right? We 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 don't we don't see as much turnover. I want to go through we'll go through D line linebacker and secondary here, and uh, but I want to start with Steve Spagnuolo. How long has he been running the defense there? What he what do you, in your opinion? What is his general philosophy? They play a lot of people in the preseason too, right? Like they get after it, they're ready to go. Do you feel it's kind of a three part question there? Do you also <laughs> feel that they're they're really ready to get after it week one based on what you saw in the preseason.
1: Yeah, so, Steve, this is going to be Steve Spagnuolo's third season and honestly, in my opinion, if he gets, if this team gets to the Super Bowl again, he's probably looking at another head coaching job, or at least some interest, because he's done a very good job turning this defense over from 2018, which was one of the worst in the NFL, to now they're competing for Super Bowls on a regular basis. So, uh, I think that we can really look at what Steve Spagnolo's done. He, his philosophy is really, from what I've seen anyway, he does not so, really care so much about stopping the run. He wants defense, uh, offenses to run against this team because he knows the offense they're going up against. He's basically daring you to score every single time you take the field. Otherwise, the offense will go down and score themselves. He def- definitely does not care about leaving some players in inopportune circumstances he likes to blitz a lot especially on third down and the way that he really attacks offenses it's with pre-snap movement and post-snap movement every if you watch just Run a play. If you go back to the Browns playoff game against the Chiefs, just take any defensive play before you have guys running all over the field. They get set for like a second, and then right after the snap hits, they're moving again. So he's trying to do everything he can to confuse the quarterback at the time of the snap, before the snap, and after the snap to really give them the most confused look he possibly can. He's going to send blitzes from the left side. He's going to send them from the right. He's going to bring safeties and corners into blitz. He's going to use a multitude of different ways to come after a quarterback and like I I mentioned he's not so worried about the the run game in terms of he thinks he can get a stop at some point and if he can force you into a third and long-ish situation that's where he feels he's at the advantage Um, And like you mentioned he does play a lot of guys that like versatility on the defensive line specifically there's going to be a lot of Guys rolling in and out of Frank Clark. Now Chris Jones playing defense tackle and defensive end. Uh, they brought in Jerron Reed to ha- really help fortify not only the run defense a little bit, but add another guy you have to account for in the pass rush. So this defensive line up front, like I said, it's going to m- use a lot of different looks, a lot of different players, bench guys like Tershawn Wharton and colin saunders are going to be important for them as well so it's actually a lot deeper than people think and it really helps you know spags get everything he wants to
2: well we'll track it back a little bit the aggressiveness i think not having mm-hmm. watched kansas city every single week dan like that's that's something that caught me by surprise you know i uh, when, when 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 prepping for what they would do and and all of that stuff and watching how they played cleveland the, a big question i had for you is are they an aggressive team in terms of getting down in people's face and playing cover one, cover zero, getting after the quarterback that way? Like, you know, because Cleveland faced a lot of it, and it's something we're used to because Baltimore is that mm-hmm. way. Baltimore will mug the center. they'll they'll do just some crazy stuff to confuse yeah. the quarterback and and put pressure on dBs to create separation. I necessarily uh, I didn't think that that was something Casey would do because, you know, Baltimore's playing with. A really great corner play right you know between yep. Humphrey and and and, uh, and and Marcus Peters. so I I didn't expect that so my like I didn't know I haven't even really had a chance to talk to anybody from that game scenario where uh, from the KC side like that is that a usual thing that they do or is it like we don't think Cleveland Sands Odell Beckham at the time we don't think they can beat us so we're not really worried about it we want to make them fight for every yard
1: yeah if you actually go and watch the first it really doesn't matter necessarily the first but the game against the Buccaneers in week 12, this is what Steve Spagnuolo does. He likes to use his safeties. He he, he has strong safeties. He likes They like Daniel Sorensen, even though he's not the most athletic guy anymore, and he loves to rotate three three safeties out there at one time. They are hoping to get a fully healthy one Thornhill this year, which will really help. Obviously, everyone knows that Tyron Matthew is one of the best strong safeties, regular safeties in the nfl he's very versatile he can cover he can do a bunch of different things and he likes to use him in a robber type role to let him just patrol the field that he which is really something he's good at so see spagnola will really like to match up some of his let's just say weaker corners the guy like trevarius ward for example was matched up against mike evans multiple times in not only the super bowl but and but again in week 12 because he feels that his safety play as well as his aggressiveness with his blitzes. Either he's going to get to the quarterback or he's going to force a mistake. And multiple times he was able to do that, especially in that first game against the Buccaneers. And again, if you go back to the the Browns game too, there were a couple different times where he blitzed from an, an overload blitz on the left and he had... You know, a slot receiver essentially being covered deep by a safety, but there's 10 to 15 yards of separation between them and and Baker didn't necessarily get there. So he definitely likes to play a chess game in terms of taking a lot of risks. And it's really built on getting the football back and turning the football over. So, yeah, I think that people don't necessarily view the defense as aggressive as it is but especially if he gets you in those third down and long situations he's going to blitz and he's going to leave his players in those one-on-one situations and just basically hope you make a mistake
2: yeah that's what they did effectively especially the first mm-hmm. half before Cleveland figured out some run game stuff in the second yep. half from the gun was they confused them they put them in third and long on three straight drives and, and like mm-hmm. you know Cleveland picked up some yards here and there they had some some decent drives a kick to field goal in the opening drive but they were able to to put a negative play on the board and a second down and put them in a third and 15 plus, I think on three state drives. And that, yeah. that decimates anything, you know, and it, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be the first, the first series, you know, it could be, it could be Cleveland picks up a couple first downs, but they'll, they'll take that calculator risk. And yep. and, and eventually, like you're saying there, it pays off. It can pay off later in a drive. It can pay off early in a drive, but that's what you're going for. And it's nice too to, to, there's no secret here. It's, Nice to know that, hey, we give up a quick seven. It's not the end of the world. like We have yeah. we have a pretty good offense to make up for some of these things. So I'm sure Cleveland knows that. They're expecting them to play aggressively. And that truly has been the Achilles heel of the Browns, is people have been able to get up in the face of their uh, perimeter threats and, and, and make them... Uh, you know struggle because the Browns offensive line is no secret it's really good Mm -hmm. but you don't have to beat those five guys if you bring enough people right you can make you can beat a back in protection you can bring a free guy and then you force Cleveland's uh, the Jarvis Landry the Austin Hooper those players and again last year was Rashard Higgins we'll see how much Odell ends up playing but hey, say you beat us if you can beat us in the first three seconds off the snap congrats you're going to end up probably giving us a ton of fits but we don't we don't think you can, and we're going to make life tough on you in that way. And that's why I say if you go back and watch that game, the difficulty in the throws Pat Mahomes had to make against what Baker was being forced to make night and day. You know, that's what the Chiefs speed does to people. It opens up easier throws for Not that Pat can't make throws, like he can do whatever he wants, but yeah. the difficulty was was a, a stark difference for me. And I think that's obviously what the Browns had to look in the mirror this offseason and say, this is the gold standard in the AFC. How do we combat it? So we'll see. How that stuff plays out, but that is definitely the game plan. I've watched it in the preseason. I mean, I tuned into the the Atlanta or sorry the Arizona game, and I'm watching Sorensen wheel to cover two from from pre snap up at the line yeah. of scrimmage, and I'm like, spagnola has got, and he's holding nothing back. Like they're they're ready to go, man. So let's let's decipher it position by position. Let's go down defensive line. You talked about Chris Jones bumping from you know he's an all-pro fantastic defensive tackle seems like they're going to play him a little bit more outside also you know Alex Okafor is a part of things Frank Clark seems like he's going to still be able to go for a portion of this season um, talk about the group up front who who all you think is going to be impactful and maybe like you said uh, some of those names at the end of the group that, that could still end up being on the field quite a bit
1: all right, so I think that we can assume that Right now, at least I am assuming that Frank Clark is going to start the season as the starter. We haven't heard anything about a suspension yet. I I expect one's coming, but right now, like I said, we don't really have any information. So I will treat it as he's the starting right defensive end. And you're going to have Jerron Reed and Derek Nottie in that defensive tackle position starting. I think Derek Nottie is one of the most underrated defensive tackles in terms of run stopping in the NFL. Yes, he's a two-down player, but at the end of the day... That's a lot of value for a guy who, who you know, was he's not going to give you a ton in pass rush. But, you know, like, especially against the Browns, you need a, a defensive tackle that can get down in there. Maybe take some of those doubles on and really allow your linebackers to get downhill to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So I, I like him being in there with Jerron Reed. Now you have a guy who comes in, offers three down versatility, run stopping, can get after the pass rusher and really can probably help unlock. Frank Clark he had his best seasons in Seattle with Jerron Reed next to him and that's really what they're hoping by bringing him in to help unlock Frank Clark a little bit and obviously you hope that Chris Jones can do everything that he's done at a defensive tackle position also on the edge he's leaner he's even faster than he was last year it's incredible what he's been able to do Um, I do expect them to play him more of a two down and then on third and long specifically pass rush situations, he will kick inside. They're going to move defensive guys all over the field. They're going to have Frank Clark and Chris Jones lined up next to each other. They're going to just try to confuse the offensive lines as much as they can with the different rotations that they can bring. You mentioned Alex Okafor, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a very good rotational player for this team. That's been the problem with him when he's on the field, he was productive, just been unable to stay healthy. Mike Dana, uh, Defensive end out of Michigan is coming into his second year this year. I actually really like what I've seen from him. A very good run defender in his own right. He's getting better with the pass rush. Uh, It's still a work in progress for him. But I like to see he's going to rotate in more on early downs to help stop the run. And you know, the interior guys, we talked a little bit about Tershawn Wharton and Colin Saunders. Saunders came into this, this season a bit more in shape. Definitely more of a run stopping guy now when he came out of Western Kentucky, he was not that kind of guy. He was more of a pass rush. So he's really helped himself make this roster by getting better against the run. Now is all about working into that pass rush situation, a guy who can also play three tech zero tech a little bit here and there. And Tershawn Wharton is almost in that Chris Jones mold in in terms of the speed and the quickness that he has. Uh, Undrafted free agent, you know, Brett Beach does a really good job of finding some of these guys that people I haven't heard of. We hadn't heard of him until last year. He comes onto the scene, you know, really, really explosive, fast guy working now. A bit tougher this year, and stronger, bulked up a little bit, better against the run. A lot of rotational pieces they have. So the defensive line is, is pretty deep, in my opinion, and I know that you look at the front and what they have had in the past. I think it's much better this season. Is it going to be better against the run? We're going to kind of find out really early against the Browns. Um, I'm excited to see that because I want to see how this defensive line stacks up against one of the best run offenses in the NFL.
2: That's great analysis. I, I, I think that the, the seems like the mainstream conversation is Brown's defensive line against the chiefs rebuild on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. But this is an area that can really swing the game too, because so. like you said, the Reed Nandi Saunders Wharton group is a tough, tough interior group. They'll still bring down Chris Jones every now and again. I'm sure you'll, You'll see him play some snaps inside, but putting him on the edge is an interesting twist to who they are. Makes them a tougher edge-setting mm-hmm. team, you know. Makes them able to handle some of the things Cleveland likes to do, trying to push the football laterally to then get vertical uh, in the run game. So that will be fascinating. And and Frank Clark presents a tough challenge always and. I just think that this isn't one that's talked enough about in this, in this lead-up. It's is how, how good the Chiefs' defensive line is. I was really impressed when I watched a couple of those preseason games. Let's talk linebackers. Uh, we all know Willie Gay is is going to miss significant time. At least that's what I know. You can maybe update if I'm wrong on that. But he's going to be out for a while. So Nick Bolton, the rookie out of Missouri, steps in, second-round pick. Is Anthony uh, Anthony Hitchens going to be the green dot guy for the defense, or has is, is that been kind of uh, put out there yet?
1: Yeah, Anthony Hitchens will still be the green dot he was last year. He's a much, I would say, quicker linebacker than he has been in the past. This is his third season in this defense. He looked better last year. He looks much faster, and he's a bit leaner. He's able to get off blocks a bit quicker from what I've seen in the preseason. We're going to see how it unfolds this season, but he, I think he's got the opportunity in front of him to have the best season he's had with the Chiefs, which is great huge because this linebacker core has not been good for quite a long time ever since Derek Johnson, you know, left, uh, retired. It was just, it's been a bad, a bad linebacker group. So I'm hoping to see what we saw, you know, what Anthony Hitchens was in Dallas a little bit and towards the end of his time there, I'm looking to have his best season here. You're going to see a lot of Ben Neiman as well, who also is trimmed down. He bulked up last year, try to help himself against the run. It didn't really work and it was a very bad thing for him in the past game. He was a step behind everybody. He was much better the year before in past situations as that dime nickel backer where he could actually run side to side sideline to sideline and get more in terms of just being better in better positions. He's one of the smartest linebackers on this defense, according to the coaching staff. And now I'm hoping to see his body be able to keep up with his brain when it comes to finding passing lanes, getting in the middle, just getting your hand on some balls. You don't necessarily have to be able to cover guys like David and Joku or Kareem Ha out of the backfield, but kind of get in the way is really all I'm asking for out of him. Uh, Nick Bolton, like he's going to play much more this this week, the first three weeks uh, at least. Willie Gay is only. Hoping to be out the first three weeks of the season. We're gonna to have to see how that goes. Turf toe is a weird, a weird injury that can yeah. really nag, especially linebackers, running backs, that kind of thing. Just, you know, Patrick Mahomes played two at the end of last season just because he's a different kind of person. Um, it doesn't it affects everyone differently. So I'm hoping he's able to get back on the field in the after the first three games of the season. But again, Nick Bolton, another smart, intelligent guy who they are I'm assuming hoping takes over for Anthony Hitchens after this season. It's going to be valuable for him to get on the field, help Anthony Hitchens line, you'll get lined up properly, learn some of that green dot responsibility. Now he's learning a whole new system really for the third straight year. his first, his first, Two years ago in Missouri, they had a different defensive system. Last year in Missouri, they switched def- defenses completely and now he's learning a brand new one. So it's a, a lot of mental gymnastics he's got to overcome, learning multiple different linebacker positions. I'm hoping to see him more in the run game. It's going to be a lot to digest in, in his first NFL game against one of the most complex run games in the NFL with the Browns. So just seeing a little step forward from him is going to be good for him and I really hope that he takes a little bit of a step forward just in terms of being on the field in the right spots and learning that's all this process is going to be he's not going to be an impact player right off the get-go and if he is that's a bonus
2: for sure do you think they'll play a lot of you know dime quarter looks where they just eliminate that and play one backer a lot or do you think Nick will find the field uh, frequently just because of how often Cleveland uses You know, Cleveland led the NFL in twelve personnel or greater. You know, more more than two tight ends on the field last year. I think they were up above fifty percent, which led the league. So, I was curious if they'll try to eliminate that position a lot and try to play many as many defensive backs as they can, or if you think they'll sit Nick out there and and try to get the best out of him.
1: It's always a possibility that they try to do that. Uh, Sorensen, Daniel Sorensen, has been a type of a linebacker safety hybrid, so it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to get him. In some of those looks, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Browns try to get more linebackers on the field to get Daniel Sorensen or Nick Bolton on the field just to kind of exploit that. So that chess match within the game is going to be very interesting to see what the Chiefs' defensive staff does with their limitations at linebacker. They don't want Daniel, excuse me, Doriano Daniel on the field a whole lot, as we've seen a guy who is a more of an undersized, almost safety type linebacker hybrid, and. They've shown that they don't want him on the field very much. He's not a run-stopping kind of guy. So I'm interested. Like I said, I don't know what they're going to do, whether it's going to be bring Daniel Sorensen down as a, a type of nickel, dimebacker, or get Bolton. Just kind of baptize him right right away. Just kind of get on the field. So uh, it's going to be fun to see what they do and how they try to counter within the game within the game.
2: Yeah, that'll be a thing to track right away, especially, you know, we're talking about Cleveland's mystery, what they're going to do with their secondary mm-hmm. group, which is finally healthy, finally ready to play, and we don't know exactly how they're going to align. I think this will be something to, to, a little bit smaller scale, well, a lot of bit smaller scale, but something to yeah. keep an eye on is how much they trust the young linebacker to play, especially when Cleveland gets into those uh, multiple tight ends, sometimes fullback uh, formations they like to run. So. Talk to me about the secondary. It seems like most guys are back. Uh, the the names should be familiar. Uh, the cornerbacks, I think, are underrated. Ward and Sneed, I don't think they get talked about enough. I think they play good football. I think DeAndre Baker made the roster, too. Uh, I'll kind of open the floor to you, Dan. You can you can tell me about each of them, if you can, and kind of which guys you expect to have the bigger roles
1: in Week 1. All right, so you you are right. DeAndre Baker did make the roster. I'm expecting him to be a contributor by at least midway of the season, I think he's a, a much better player than Charveris Ward, and that's nothing to knock Ward. He's very good for what he is in this defense. He's a, a guy that plays good man coverage and who's not always going to offer the much offer the most in terms of you know being able to stay with everybody. He was tasked with trying to cover Stefan Diggs a few years ago. It didn't go very well, and I, I mentioned earlier that he also was tasked to guard Mike Evans. You know Spags is going to do what he can to get his best players in the best position. And I think that Ward service serves very well as a press man cover corner that can flow wide receivers to the safeties, which is what they want to do anyway. So uh, he's good for what he is. I think Baker has a much higher ceiling. Uh, I'm hoping to see Ward take a step back to his 2019 form and and actually get his hands on more balls this year. And LeJarrius need, like you said, is Coming into his second year, he really burst on the scene. One of the best corners, rookie corners in the NFL last year. He's going to be a starter along with Ward. And on those nickel sets, he's going to kick into the slot. And that's where Mike Hughes will come in, who they got from the the Minnesota Vikings. Former first-round pick they got for a sixth, I believe, uh, in a trade with the Vikings. And Mike Hughes is really played much better than i expected him to he came over in the offseason during otas he wasn't picking up the defense very well uh then come training camp he seems to have gotten it down he's much quicker he seems to understand what he's doing better and that's huge for this defense because if you're counting on legerius need to be you know just on the outside i think that's where he blossoms but again you don't have a slot guy that can play with a guy like you know jarvis landry that's A problem because we all know that Landry is just one of those guys that gets open no matter what, and I think Snead can do a good job in the slot no matter who he's going to play against. So that's really huge for opening everything up with the the two corners on the outside to flood to the safeties and allow Snead to really just move with who he is and use that short area quickness that he's displayed so well last year when he was healthy. He's going to take a big step forward this year, and those three guys are going to be The focal point of the corners, like I said, I think DeAndre Baker has something to offer. I'm hoping he can get on the field. I'm not in case of injury. I would never want someone to have to come on in case of injury, but I think he's there as the fourth guy who is, it's it's huge to have a former first round pick, being able to come off the bench if you need him to. And then we can get right into the safeties because we did talk to them about them a little bit. Uh, Juan Thornhill is coming into his third year now. He looks to me to be fully healthy. It, it feels like this. The coach is trying to get him mentally ready. He didn't seem like he was mentally ready coming into a lot of the games last year against the Bills. He had a, an exceptional game in the playoffs. Uh, then he just he didn't seem to play the same after that. So that was a little interesting to see, and the fact that they had Daniel Sorensen listed as a starter over him. Maybe they're just trying to to get him mentally prepared to earn that spot back. He's the best free safety on this roster he's easily the most athletic I think you can talk about Tyron Matthews one of the best athletes on this Chiefs defense but it, when it comes to just pure solid and sound speed and being able to really click and close down from his free safety spot no one does it better on this team so I'm excited to see him this year Sorensen just that guy that continuously makes big plays and in, in key moments just always seems to either make it or break it really he's he's not someone who's consistently making some plays he either makes them or he doesn't so I like to see him just be a part of that three-man rotation get some of those plays you know early on in the game just cement his spot as a rotational third safety and obviously you know Tyron Matthew just being able to unlock this defense with playing that robber role where they can bring him down into the They can have him as a two-man safety. They can do it pretty much whatever they want to with him. If they need to slot him down into the slot to cover two. It's the way that they can use him to just make everyone's job easier on this defense is really impressive. The way Spags has used him, blitzed him. He's an incredibly underrated blitzer. He seems to find his way through blocks for a guy his size. It's incredible. So I think that the safety position is in good hands with a fully healthy Thornhill that also helps you know the corners outside and I really I'm really hoping to see you know Sneed take that step forward because if he does then this this secondary can be one of the best in the NFL in my opinion
2: yeah another underrated group man and and Juan Thornhill was a guy us you know, over in, in Brown's side of of draft Twitter really really liked and mm-hmm. uh had high hopes for and 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 we really want to see him pan out maybe wait till week two to figure some yeah. things out but <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Dan, this has been awesome, man. I'm sure you've sufficiently freaked out my fans about the quality of this defense. Uh, It's going to be a really big challenge, a bigger challenge than people want to admit across the league. I continue to think, I think the Chiefs have one of the most underrated defenses and the perfect uh, complement to what they're, the dangerous nature of what that offense can do and the way they play is, is a unique challenge. The only small advantage is Cleveland is a little bit used to it because of Baltimore, Mm -hmm. but it's a similar thing. And I think it's going to be a fantastic, at least I hope, I hope it's a fantastic game. It would be really nice to see these two go at each other and uh, and play another hyper-competitive game. So, Dan, thanks again, man, for this. I know, my, like I said, my my listeners really appreciate it. Tell them where they can find you on social or any of your content if you can before we go.
1: Yeah, of course. I appreciate you guys having me, and this is going to be a very fun game. I'm very much looking forward to it. You can find me at on Twitter at in harm's way 19 as was mentioned before i work at rgr football on youtube you just put rgrfootball.com it'll take you right to the youtube page i also do film work for a fantasy football site it's called fantasy football astronauts i do you know breakdowns there as well i'm gonna have a lot of videos coming out this season i just you know trying to get my entire works out there trying to decipher you know do more diverse nfl stuff so i've watched quite a bit of the browns and i'm very excited to see how this unfolds
2: well we're appreciative man you got a lot of skill you're going to go far in this stuff and uh you know the chiefs would be lucky to have you covering them at some point too so again dan thank you so much and we'll catch up maybe later in the season
1: sounds good thank you very much i appreciate it
2: thank you everybody for joining us this was a great show thank you to daniel for the interview i thought he was very detail oriented very insightful again if you missed Yesterday's podcast we had on Ed Easton Jr. to talk about the offense, so we collectively know a ton about the Chiefs now. Heading into this game, we will not do two episodes of Behind Enemy Lines all season. We'll only do one that will come out later in in the week. But with this being a bye week before Week One, I thought it was prudent to get as much information about the Chiefs leading up to this really really important showdown Week One as as possible. So thank you again to Ed and Daniel. Uh, Again, I did not note it earlier, Tyron Matthew is still questionable for this game. He has to have two tests over a 24-hour span. He's running in uh, to to trouble with time. Maybe when you guys listen to this today, uh, which will be Thursday, he'll have an answer about whether he's able to come back and play or not or the process is going. But right now, we don't know, and that's a huge, huge part of the Chiefs' defense. So. It will definitely be something to monitor over the next few days whether he will be able to come back because he is the quarterback of their defense and they do not have somebody on the roster that can replace him. They have guys up front if they needed to replace Chris Jones or something of the other if they lost him, one of their other defensive stars, but you can't replace Tyron Matthew. He does too much. He is too much of a disruptor. He is too skilled. It would would definitely cause a swing in this game. So So, we'll definitely stay focused on that outcome over the next few pods. We'll be back with John Colosimo tomorrow, where we decipher, break down, talk about how the Browns actually beat the Chiefs, like a game plan for what we think will work uh, to see the Browns beat the Chiefs. So, again, we will check back in on that. We'll have Stephen Thomas on our Saturday mock show, as usual, later in the week as well. So, keep tuning in, keep spreading the word about this podcast. Your reviews on Apple are so appreciated gotten up to almost 256 of those things now is the last I checked. That's so helpful to this podcast because it helps people find the pod. The more reviews, the better the rating. When people search Browns, they come across this podcast. So thank you so much for that. Really, really appreciate it. Continue to check out our OBR Twitch where we will have OBR Weekly up on Thursday night. And then our first OBR Roundtable Friday. We'll have a prospect show on there Saturday morning, and then we're into game day Sunday with the pregame postgame. It's a ton of fun. We gave away tickets on the show last night uh, for, the, for the home opener against the Texans. So there's going to be more giveaways like that. So check it out. Keep tuning in. Follow it. Subscribe to it. You'll increase your odds to win some of those giveaways. It's a blast. Uh, check those things out if you can. If you ever have any questions about it, anything you need help with, hit me up in the DMs. Keep reading the stuff at the OBR where we are rocking and rolling. Great analytics piece from Cody Sweck up today. Check that out. Uh, Otherwise, you know, have a great Thursday. And as usual, the way we sign off every time, go Browns.